You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast, where we talk to Mike Spray. One of the things that Mike says in our interview was that running makes him a better person. I love that. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I am very excited to have a good friend of mine and a stalwart of the Launceston running community these days, Mike Spray. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Nice, nice to speak to you. It's taken me a little while to drag you kicking and screaming here, which I thought was funny because you don't mind a chat. <laughs> well, I, it, 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 it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Once it's gone beyond a certain time when you haven't responded to an invitation, it becomes increasingly difficult to respond to the invitation. It so does. you did well just to, just to tie me down. It's not through any, not, not through any <laughs> lack of wanting to talk to you. <laughs> I totally understand. And it's funny how we have those nuances around relationships and, and stuff, isn't it? Like it, that's just a mindset thing, isn't it? You know, oh, completely. I, I have it tell you, <laughs> I, I missed a chiropractor's appointment a week ago today. Oh. And they, because we were, I was looking after the puppies that I mentioned to you just before we started. Yeah. Um, and they rang me and I couldn't take the call at the time. And I still haven't been able to, I haven't, I haven't had the courage to go back in there. And I thought I'll do it when I was coming back from the shop this morning to speak to you. But there wasn't quite enough time to do it, which of course there was, but I had to get back to meet you. So I've got to do that afterwards. So it is not just you. I managed to do it in all aspects of my life. I'll try and remind you at the end. <laughs> Make that phone call. Oh, dear. <laughs> all right, Mike, there's plenty of people who listen to this podcast who don't live in Launceston, and they have no idea who you are. They may notice that your accent is not Australian. You can pick up that it's not Australian, I think. At least I can tell that. Um, so... Tell me a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? All of that kind of cool stuff. Um, I was born and brought up in a place called Swindon, which is about 80 kilometres west of London, mm -hmm. between London and Bristol, yep. um, and have one brother, Andrew, who we sadly lost to cancer uh, oh. 10, 10 years ago, and moved out here with my partner, Caroline, 11 years ago. And apropos absolutely nothing at all, I became an Australian citizen yesterday. That is so exciting. Yay, well, congratulations. And, and, it, in, and it plays to all those things about failing to get back when I'm not going to the chiropractor's appointment. It took me 10 years <laughs> to get around to doing my citizenship stuff. And it's actually a really long process. So when we decided mm. to do it, it's taken about 18 months oh, and wow. you if you try and become a citizen after you um, turn 60 it becomes significantly more if not difficult I think time consuming and da 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 da, da. Oh. and I turned 60 on Saturday no so way it was, just, it was just really very quite fortuitous and I'd like to say it was about long-term planning but it wasn't I didn't, you don't look, I didn't think of you as anything close to 60. So there you go. You're too kind. Happy birthday and congratulations on two accounts, Australian <laughs> citizen you. and your birthday. <laughs> Thank That's you. amazing. So way back in England, when you were at school, yep. um, how, what was sport like in, in English schools? I was one of those people who went away to boarding school at the age of six. Mm -hmm. And so sport was a very big part of what I did from that age. Mm -hmm. um, very structured in terms of one played it three or four times a week. You played rugby in what we called our winter term, which ran from September to December, hockey in another winter term, which was January to April, and then cricket in the summer. And I was fortunate enough to be all right at, at, at all three. And so, played them um, a lot and would, was happy to have a go at pretty much anything. I, yeah. I just love sport with a passion. I can watch it, I can play it, I can talk about it. Um, 
ad nauseam. Um, but yeah, it's always been a huge, huge part of my life. What is it about it that you think you like? Like, what does it do for you? What do you? What? Oh, I'm, I'm a team. I'm a team player. I'm very clubbable, um, and I love the whole team dynamic. I think I probably thrive in that environment, and it tends to bring out the best in me. And and probably I'm not terribly good on my own. Um, <laughs> it, the you know the individual sports, tennis and golf particularly, but I guess even cricket to a degree where you're, you're batting on your own or, or doing whatever, you're doing. I am less adept at than I am at the ones where actually the team is everything. And I love all that. So it, do. do you think that's because you, you like working, you know, where you're create doing something for other people as well, like it's not just for yourself. So, oh, so you work harder because it's not just you, it's someone it's else. So, it sounds terrible, but it's for the greater good. And I think interestingly, if you go away to boarding school at the age of six, you yeah. learn to live in a community very early and you yeah. learn possibly not consciously a lot of the time about the dynamics of how organizations and groups of people work. Um, and you realise that actually, if you don't work with everyone else, not only will the community not be terribly successful or fun to live in, but you won't enjoy it either. Mm -hmm. So it's I think I think one just learns that working together is so much more um, constructive than mm -hmm. trying to plough your own furrow. Wow. So you obviously finished school. What did you do at university? I didn't. Okay. I, I, I had managed, because my love of sport was so great, I, I went to a fabulous school called Marlborough College where, where the lovely Duchess of Cambridge went, but clearly many, many years after me. But I managed to do absolutely no work at all because really? I was far more interested in playing sport uh -huh. and was by this stage becoming reasonably good at hockey. And so I could have gone to university and I was going to go to a place called St Luke's College in Exeter which has a very good sort of physical education degree and I suddenly thought you know what I've not done any work for the last five years and there's absolutely nothing to suggest that going to university will change that <laughs> so I thought I'll concentrate on playing hockey and I went and got a job in a bank oh, wow. up in the middle of London Lloyd's Bank as it was called then on Park Lane so for those of you sounds like Monopoly Monopoly <laughs> Park Lane is the second most expensive um, block on the board, second only to Mayfair. Mm -hmm. And it provided uh, me with something to do during the day, an income and the opportunity to go and play hockey as much as I wanted. It, it was a dreadful job. It was unbelievably boring. Two things happened of any note. One is I was there when there was an armed robbery, oh. which was quite interesting, uh, but fortunately not too close to it, down the other end. And it was the um, it was the branch of the bank that looked after the Playboy Club. Oh. <laughs> and so every, every Friday, what seemed like hundreds of bunny girls would come in to cash their checks and get their money. And Hugh Hefner was there. Um, oh, and his English counterpart whose name always escapes me but his girlfriend was Ava Gardner so Ava Gardner would come in quite a lot um but other than that it was dreadful <laughs> so apart from those days it was kind of that, that's yeah, right. mundane very, and very all soul of that. yes <laughs> <laughs> so what were you doing in your hockey when you um I I played for England at under 18 and under 19 level and I had um ambitions to go on and play so I joined a club called Southgate up in North London mm -hmm. and Southgate were, were England's preeminent club they've been European champions and three of us uh, a guy called Sean Curley Steve Batchelor and I were asked to go and join so we went and joined Southgate um, and that took up all my spare time that's all we did we, we played hockey I worked and we played hockey so we yeah. trained twice a week in the evenings and I lived down in Surrey and Southgate was in North London. And so it would take probably an hour and a half to get to training and an hour and a half to get back from training. And we trained from seven till 9.30 on a Tuesday and a Thursday night. So it was quite full on when I look mm. back at it now. 
um, and then we play on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, and yeah, my whole social life, certainly, but to a large degree, my life mm. was dominated by hockey. So how long for was your uh, hockey career? I Probably till I got to 30 <laughs> odd. Um, yeah, I'd had enough by about 30 odd and my, my star was beginning to wane and I'm not, not sure that it had actually risen that high to begin with. But the, um, And I just thought, yeah, there's probably more to life than this. There were another generation of significantly more talented people coming through and it was just time to go and, and, and do something else. And interesting, that was the point at which running started to come into my life. Did you, before we get onto the running, did you, because obviously there's a lot of running in hockey, I was thinking as well, but you're just yes. carrying a stick. Yeah. <laughs> did you travel a lot with the hockey? Did that take you away a lot? Just because um, yeah, Europe spent, is such a... Yeah, we, we spent a lot of time travelling in Europe. Um, I, where else did we tour? Went to Bermuda, Pakistan, Kenya. Yeah. Gosh, numerous over the place. So yeah, lot, lots of places. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Just um, on uh, a similarity between you and Simon, he was um, an elite rower and um, uh -huh. <clears throat> almost um, got to represent Australia, but certainly represented the state everywhere. And uh, it went to the AIS and things, and it was his rowing partner that then went on to the Commonwealth Games. So he was a little annoyed by that. Um, <laughs> but also he, uh, with school, like the, he failed one year of school just because you know he was just rowing all of the time yeah. and then he took another a year off before going to eventually going to university and stuff so yeah it's a sort of similar kind of oh, background that yeah. can be all-encompassing when you're and people sort of say do you regret it and, and the answer is no because I don't think there's no point in looking back at what you hmm. did regretting it no. and it was the right decision for me at the time well it was it was the decision I made whether it was the right decision who knows but um it was the right decision. Why me. you are where you are right now. Absolutely. And that's all, that's all that matters, really. Can't change it. It's good. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so were you at the bank that entire time to your... In no, I went. I then went and joined, I thought, interesting, <laughs> I thought I'd be quite a good salesman and I thought I should become a salesman. And one of the issues of trying to get a sales job at that time was they nearly all wanted you to have sales experience. And I couldn't work out how you could get sales experience if they wouldn't give you a sales job. Anyway, uh -huh. that old acorn. I ended up getting a job with what was called then Roundtree Macintosh. Oh. The Roundtree Macintosh made at the time Kit Kat and Quality Street and Aero, Roundtree's Fruit Pack. And, and I got a job selling sweets for them. And that was fantastic I loved it um, and so I was what they called a relief rep so when the more experienced reps were off on holiday they'd send me to wherever in the UK to go and cover their patches and that for someone of my age was just really good fun so put up in a hotel worked sort of relatively hardish sometimes um, and just had a ball and that that was really good fun and to a degree, although I think I probably overegged it, you could work as you wanted to. So, uh, you know, I probably cut the cloth a bit too close on occasions to go yeah. and do other stuff. But the figures were, were pretty good. And, and that was lovely. And I, I really enjoyed that. That was a fantastic time. Oh, wow. And then I started working for a publishing company mm. on a magazine called Flight International, which, as the title suggests, is all about aviation. I hate flying with a passion. <laughs> um, That's an interesting but, um, choice. Oh, it was ridiculous. But I then, that was a great time. And I, and I had a very strange sales area. So I had, I had the eastern part of the UK, um, Israel, Indonesia, Hong Kong, Brazil, um, and parts of Holland. And I used to fly and travel ever such a lot. Wow. And because I travelled so much, without fail, whenever I got to the airport, I was always upgraded to business class, which would have been all right for the other passengers had I not been in my mid-twenties and enthusiastic. And so 
I'd not flown much before this happened, but I'd get there, I'd hand my ticket at the checkout desk and say, oh, Mr. Spray, I'll receive back, we'll take you down to the lounge. And ah, oh, I normally had to be carried onto the plane. And if I didn't, wasn't carried onto the plane, I had to be carried off. <laughs> and that was perfectly all right, other than for the poor bloke next to me, who, you know, normally be a brain surgeon or something like that, who just wanted peace and quiet and didn't want to speak or listen to probably actually rather than speak to a very enthusiastic, uh, rather well-oiled Englishman telling them what they were up to and so forth. And I look back on that and even in my advanced years now, cringe and think, oh my God. So your, uh, your nervous flying um, came out in, in needing to talk as well once you talk, were Yeah, absolutely. And, and <laughs> every now and then I would sit next to some someone who was just so extraordinarily charming and they'd calm me down and they'd say, you know, they'd try and explain how irrational my fear was, da 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 da, da, da. Uh, And that would help. One of the big bonuses of working for the Light International was at that stage, you could almost walk in and out of the cockpit. But I was able to be in the cockpit on a number of occasions when, for both takeoff and landing. And actually that completely changes okay. your whole mindset on what's yeah. going on. And I remember one of the funniest ones, I was going out to Singapore for an air show and we flew with Qantas from Heathrow late on a Saturday. So I played hockey, had a couple of drinks, managed to get down to Heathrow, leapt onto a Qantas flight that was gonna land at Muscat on the way. So, you know, now you can go London to Singapore yeah. without stopping, but it stopped in Muscat. And I asked if there was any chance of sitting on the jump seat uh, at the landing coming to Muscat. Uh, and they said yes, and it was very laid back Australian crew. And it was a 747, you get to the cockpit and you think, oh, this is gonna look fantastic. There's, there's copies of the Daily Mirror all over the floor. <laughs> and it just, you know, so two pilot, pilot and captain, captain first officer, flight engineer. And we're coming to land, it's all going well. And it's all very, very calm. And suddenly this alarm starts going off and they all wake up and oh my god what are you doing there and we went round and there was i think there was something on the runway but it was it was, it was it was it was probably my first taste of laid back australians doing what they do jumping um, out of sleep see, and getting it done that's right. they didn't seem <laughs> at all alarmed by anything that was going on <laughs> that's awesome i'm glad that we could um we could give you that experience yeah. <laughs> you <got> here. <laughs> so um you said when hockey kind of dwindled away a bit and yes. you you started running more for perhaps running sake. I assume you're doing a lot of running training prior to that. that that's right. We, we we tended to train as would be suggested, you know, stick and stick and ball yeah. most of the time. But yeah, there was a huge amount of running, but it, the running was an adjunct to using the yeah. stick and ball, not like a, yeah. the running. Yeah, it's uh, just for itself. Yeah. So you were still in England when you started um, running for its own yes. sake? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, was it just to keep fit? What, what kind of things yeah, are going to be? Essentially, what it was actually, and, and again, it was probably a subconscious decision, was that I enjoy eating and drinking. And I thought, mm -hmm. if I don't do, if I suddenly stop doing this quite significant amount of exercise, I, I will just grow up and become the same size as Tasmania. So I thought, <laughs> or what are the English um, version? So I thought, I'll just start running. And I didn't have any, I, you know, all you need is a pair of shoes mm. and just started running. And I was still obviously very fit at that, that stage. So it, it came relatively easily. Um, and it just took off from there. So, and, and I really enjoyed it. You could do it wherever you liked. Mm -hmm. It was very simple. And, and it, it was a really, one of the few really good decisions I've made. So, in the, uh, so, I was thinking of a few more, but it's okay. Uh, good decisions you made. Uh, when you when you finished hockey, do you remember? Because we talk a little bit on this podcast about identity, you know, especially around you know if we've been running for years and then we have an injury and how that affects our identity. Yep. When you finished on that vein, when you finished hockey, was there a sense of that identity because for such a long time it sounds like it would have been more than half your life by the time you stopped playing hockey your oh. identity would be you know I play hockey so I'm a hockey player yes I did some I did some coaching and some managing yeah um so yeah. I managed a club called Richmond in the second division of the Premier League mm -hmm. um and helped coach 
and that helped, I guess, that sort of transition from being a player and a reasonably well-known player to actually just being someone in the background. Yeah. Um, but still, but very, very different. Very, very different indeed. You're not the centre of attention. You're not the centre of the focus, which is a good thing. Um, but yes, it takes a while to sort of unravel something that's been such a big part of your life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably making sure that you don't, you don't spend your whole time looking back and regretting not being able to do it anymore. So doing the coaching and, and the managing was a, was a good thing to do at the time. Yes. Had you started running by then? Yes. The and, I, and I was running. Yeah. 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 So you and were it, starting it's, to. It's interesting and it happens periodically. <laughs> I'd still try and play and take part in some of the training things. And, you know, that, that way ruin lies because you're a meter slower than you used to be and everyone looks silly. And, and it's that great phrase, and I don't know who coined it, but it's so true, and it's very true now, is you know, the older I get, the better I used to be. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's very, very true. That's so true. So when you so you were going into your 30s, you're still in England, obviously, yes. then. Um, and you were still working in sales. Yes. Yep. Um, did you find the running was, did it do more than just keep you fit? Like, were there more reasons that you would hit the pavement, do you think? Uh, oh, oh, absolutely. Many of them, I think, subconscious, though. The mm, yeah. I, didn't, I don't think I thought of running as being necessarily good for my mental health <laughs> it was a part of my personality that played to lots of good things so i traveled by this time i was working for a company called east uh, called e emap who just been purchased in a, a very big um private equity deal mm -hmm. and i was in quite a senior job looking after three magazines that had very very big um, recruitment advertising revenue at the time recruitment advertising was just beginning to move online but it was these were these were big publications to give it some uh, to give it some scale one of the the magazines we worked on a medical magazine a, a page and it was just an April magazine it was a weekly magazine a page recruitment advertising in there would cost twenty five thousand dollars so it was right. serious, serious stuff. And so that was quite full on doing mm -hmm. that. And running was undoubtedly a way of ensuring that that didn't become all encompassing. Traveling quite a lot around the UK. So great to arrive wherever you can stay, go out for a run, mm. Again, easy to do, great way of exploring to some degree other places. So yeah, it, it, it's undoubtedly hugely important in the way in which it helps you get over a long drive, perhaps add some clarity to difficult situations, relieve stress, and just allows you to do nothing. I think there's quite a lot of, to be said for nothingness. There um, is so much to be said for nothingness. I and, and I'm quite good at it. So <laughs> it's... You can just go on those runs and just be there. Or once you've been for a run, you can just sit down and go, oh, I can just do nothing now. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> All of those things. So uh, when did you meet your lovely wife? Um, I employed her. Oh, nice. I thought, I, thought, I, thought, I thought clearly this was the only way I was going to get the girl. And <laughs> I had by this stage, I'm, I'm significantly older than Caroline. So I had thought at this stage that, a family had passed me by and I wasn't going to have kids. We didn't have kids. So met Caroline uh, at EMAP and this huge private equity deal wasn't starting to unravel, but it was during the GFC. Mm. And so the price that had been paid for the company quickly became massively overinflated. Mm -hmm. um, and the bottom fell out of the recruitment market, literally fell out of the recruitment market not only because it was moving online in huge um, swathes, but also people weren't moving jobs. There were fewer jobs around. Yeah. And so I was made redundant. And we couldn't work out what to do. So we thought, right, let's go to Australia, uh, as you do. 
because Caroline was born in the UK but grew up in Launceston. Mum was head of English at, at Scotch Oakburn for uh -huh. 32 years. So we moved out to Sydney and Caroline worked for um, a psychometric testing company and we were in Neutral Bay, so on the lower North Shore and Caroline worked at North Sydney. And I was working on the recruitment side of the Australia for the much hated Murdoch Press. Wow. And he, we had Ollie. And Ollie was a year old at that stage. And he was sort of in, um, he was in daycare five days a week from eight in the morning till six at night. And it mm. was just all a bit hard. Yeah, just like this and is you a just get the weekend, <laughs> just about recover and then start all over again. Mm. And we just thought this isn't that much fun. And I had by this stage thought on a number of occasions about opening a running store. Mm -hmm. and, and Caroline said, right, let's go and do it. If we don't do it now, we'll never do it. We'll go and do it in Launceston um, and just see see what happens. So we moved back, oh gosh, 11 years ago. Wow. Now, so I think, yeah, 11, probably almost exactly 11 years ago, probably October, we came back um, and opened the running company in 2011, in May to, May the 16th, 2011. Time has flown. It was uh, like yesterday. Well, yeah, Ollie, Ollie's 12 and there's Barney who's 10 in December. That is amazing. I remember when he was born, actually. Yeah, so, I, so yes, time really has flown extraordinarily. So you've made your world running. Why, why did you, how, what, I suppose that, what decisions, what, thoughts were going through your mind when you know running was a hobby you were being it sounded like in kind of sales sort of roles really yeah. um, I suppose is it was it marrying the two the the running which had been a constant in your life even though it was in a version of hockey for so many years I think um, so um just putting I the like, two together I, I mean I like and I'm interested in running shoes and everything mm. to do with running and I thought that was a good I I like to think that I'm a people person. I enjoy interacting with people. I think you're a people person. And, um, so it sort of married all those things together. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, let's have a go. Yeah, it's very adventurous and too. Like if you think about um, the way people buy things now, like there's so much online to actually put up a bricks and mortar shop in something that people have actually you know, they buy shoes online. They just do. You know that. <laughs> so Absolutely. Quite a, a, a thing it's, to really, do. <laughs> it's really, really interesting in that the, the, the running company as a whole and there are eight of us who mm. are all friends and 11 stores, I think. All of us side the stores because we enjoy interacting with people and yep. personally fitting them and spending time talking about it. And one can't completely divorce that from online stuff, but the online stuff, and we're just about to launch a company-wide online store on November the 1st. Oh, wow. It just That's doesn't interest me. I can't get excited about someone, wherever they happen to be in Western Australia, yeah. seeing that we or I have a <laughs> shoe they want, pressing a button, paying for it, and it's really good of them, to buy it and stuff. And then having to pack the shoe up and send it off to WA. It's not what I got into it for. Well, it's more that you're just becoming, you know, the postal. <laughs> That's right. And it, it's just a transaction. There is yeah. no relationship of any sort. So it's great because people will get stuff that they want. But actually, I'm more than ever convinced that if you provide a service mm -hmm. that's really good and unique, people will still want it. As you, that's, that's you, you know that I've been online um, business stuff yeah, yeah. for a really long time. Um, and it's only in the last probably four or five years that I think there's actually a real swing back to um, customer service type thing. And, and people actually, because so much shopping went online and so many people did shopping online, they're now realising what you miss when you don't do the face-to-face. And I think that relational kind of shopping is becoming, um, it's like a swing back a bit. And so people are actually yeah. enjoying that um, and realising it's just on their doorstep as well. So they don't have to wait. Plus they can talk to this person and not, uh, and, you know, develop a relationship which will last longer than this 
for for you just this pair of shoes and it goes on to the next pair of shoes and the pair of socks and whatever because yeah it, absolutely it beyond and it's not rocket science hmm. but i think in a world that's increasingly disconnected <laughs> yeah it it provides something solid hmm. and people like that and we got some really fantastic stores in Launchester. you know I, I i love reading and I love going into the Petrarchs. It's, it's yeah. just, you know, whoever you speak to, you can have a really good conversation. There's a, there's a family shop called Hope and Me. It just has beautiful things in it. Mm. And the Lindy and her daughter Chelsea who put stuff together, it's just, it's great. And it's somebody, it's somebody who's thought really carefully about these things and why they're stopping them mm. and what they're, and it's just, it's really nice going in there. Mm. Um, and you can't do any of that online. You know, it, everything becomes transactional and it's two-dimensional, not three-dimensional. And you you buy what you want and you get it. But I just think, oh, and you open a packet and it's just... <laughs> it's, I hear, I mean, I, this doesn't need to become a business um, conversation, but, but it just reminded me of some of the things. Like, it, I don't, For those of you who don't know, I used to run workshops to teach people how to do business mm. online. And I used to use Mike as an example because he did so well in being a bricks and mortar and using things like social media to attract people. You run a, a running um, group that happens on a Wednesday night. If you happen to be in Launceston or Northern Tasmania, yeah. I think it's a 525, 525 for a 5.30 start or That's something. That's the one, you got it. At the door of the, of the shop and they all go for a run and come back but that's a great kind of community ad and it was showing how the reason I used you as an example back then was you were showing how to marry that um you know a real world shop bricks and mortar thing with using the online rather than because at that time when I was teaching it there was a lot of oh no you know everything's going to go online and, and people won't come but it was pulling the two together which I thought was was really exciting the other examples that I used which are not necessarily um, bricks and mortar, but just different ways to do customer service when you're posting things out. And that was, you know, people who put a little note and a chocolate or something with a pair of shoes. Can you imagine opening a pair of shoes and getting that? There you go. Take that the, to your the, next marketing the, the little note is really important. <laughs> yeah, just those, it's, it's There just, is just something about it. And, mm. it's, and it takes no time or effort. No, that's right. But, um, yeah, I, funny enough, I just sent a pair of shoes off to a lady and because of the postal service being under such extraordinary pressure, they've taken a long time to run. And just being able to say, hi, Sally, your shoes have arrived at last. Thank you so much for your patience, which must have been nearly exhausted. Hope you enjoy the shoe. And I think it just personalises it and it just takes any strain out of stuff. And I think people go, oh, oh. that's really nice. Oh, that and, and the payback for the minute it takes to write the note, I think is massive by comparison to that minute. Oh, uh, and I've always been convinced, and it, it's true of so many walks and rides, yeah. If you have a good experience, you tell a couple of people. If you have a bad experience, you tell so many more. Tell all the people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So back to running, like your running. Tell me, what does your running look like now? What do you do now? How do you... Um, your days with running apart from selling running shoes. very interesting for last night I ran whilst Ollie was basketball training and it is mm -hmm. that was the third night I'd run in a row and that's the first time I'd done that since November the 20th 2019 wow. when I injured my knee quite badly and it's the issue with the knee I think is that it has deteriorated over time through playing hockey. Mm -hmm. um, orthopedic surgeon said, we can do a thing called nosteotomy and anything with an otomy in it is not good news. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, what we'll do is we'll break your shin bone, we'll uh -huh. wedge it open or we'll, we'll open it out and then we'll put a wedge in there to lengthen it slightly because you're slightly bow-legged. And then he said, oh, look, but the recovery period is about a year. Oh no. You might get infected. No guarantee it'll work. And so I said, is there anything else we can do? And he said, oh, look, we can just rehab it furiously. Right, I'll have a go at that. And I've been pretty good most of the time at doing it, but I've been very good for about the last three months. Um, and it's made a really significant difference. So 
I'm not going very far. I'm not going very fast, but I'm running. And that's all that matters. Uh, that's, I'm really pleased with that. How did you feel when you couldn't run? Like, did that mean you uh, weren't running at all for that time in between? You were just uh, I was sending people away to do their run? I was, I was all right. Caroline, Caroline said she was impressed with how well I coped with it, <laughs> which I think probably means I was bad, but not as bad as she thought I might have okay. been. Okay. So I, I think it was like damning with faint praise. Because when you, if I get an injury, and I know other people have even said on the podcast, one of the things they really hate is seeing other people run. <laughs> yeah, and you I see people every day. I like, I like seeing people run. I, I couldn't look at Strava or anything like that. Or yeah. and one of one of the shops, very good customers, but also a very good friend is is Jace Milner. Yes. And Jace has run a minimum of two k's a day mm-hmm. for two thousand. It's about two thousand. Many days. Fifteen days now. Um. And you just seeing someone, it, it makes me sound so pathetic that, you know, I've done three days in a row and then I won't tonight because I don't want to push it. He's managed to do 2,000 in a row. Wow. And you just think life would get in the way or whatever. Um, so I, I like seeing other people run, but I, could, I didn't want to look at Strava or things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, quite a lot of runners just love telling you what they're doing and how much they've done and it's I found that quite wearing on occasions oh god Uh, um one of I guess the fun sides of being in the shop is is that new runners come in and they get a pair of shoes and they they get on doing it Uh, and it's interesting to see how many of them carry on and how many of them sort of burn out quite quickly, yeah. go really hell for leather mm. and then get an injury or just for whatever mm. reason, motivation wanes again. But there, there are some of them. And, and, and I think this year on November the 4th, it'll be 30 years since I ran my first marathon. <gasps> That's uh, awesome. 30 years is a long time. It was really it the is London a long marathon? What marathon did you No, run? it was New York. It was, oh, it was wow. New York. <laughs> just think, as awesome stupid I am um, it was before there was any chip timing or anything like that uh-huh. and so I had a Timex Ironman watch and uh, my official time was four hours and eight minutes but it my my time was actually three hours 58 from when I crossed the line yeah, yeah. You gun time so I thought um, I thought I'll just leave that on the watch and da 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 da. And of course, it never occurred to me that the battery would eventually just run out. Oh, <laughs> take a photo of it. <laughs> no, it never. Oh. And then just look at the one. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Did it really happen? So thank God for, um, yeah, thank God for chip timing and things. But yeah, so 30 years ago, I think it was November the 4th, 1991. That's an amazing. Well, you should go for a run on that day. Oh, very definitely. Um, <laughs> But that, that was an extraordinary experience. That was that was fantastic. But yeah, 30 years is a long time. Goodness me. So what do you what do you think, apart from you know having a knee injury, what's kept you going out the door? And you're kind of unusual. I, I have spoken to a few running coaches as well. So I suppose it's their job too to stay interested. <laughs> but but you haven't always had a running store. And for a good 20 years, by the sound of it, or a little bit yeah. shorter than that, you were um, had running in your life as a solo sort of thing rather than as a part of hockey. So I just love it. I just love it. It's why? Good. Why do you it's love good. it? It's good. It's it's life affirming. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can run for 10 minutes, you can run for 20 minutes, you can run for an hour. You can you, it then there is no end to what you can do with it. It it really is fantastically varied. And um you don't have to be any good at it. <laughs> it requires, you know, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you're really quick or really slow. Mm. You're still running and you're still doing all those good things. Um, and, and so I reckon it probably, there are, a lot, there are lots of people around here who you look at and think, bloody hell, you've done well. They don't necessarily look all that athletic. Mm-hmm. They don't have an athletic background, 
and suddenly they discover running they oh this is nice i can do it (laughs) and 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 i'm unreasonably good at it but even the ones who aren't in the way one traditionally regards as being good at it so in going fast just i can do it Mm. i can run and i think one of the things i'm very keen on saying to people is you know start where you are don't look at everyone else and concentrate on what you're doing because the improvements are about you. They're not about you in relation to anyone else. Why do you think people don't keep going? Like you said that earlier, like you see lots of people who come in and all enthusiastic and then sometimes they'll run for, I don't know, what, a couple of months or something and then they sort of lose well, the fizz. Well, even a couple of years as well. And then you saw, okay. and, and interestingly, Strava's interesting for that in terms of you just see a name and, the, and then suddenly, oh. Names, yeah, I haven't seen that name for a while. I think any number of reasons, you know, work issues, family issues. Mm -hmm. So, and I think many of the issues that make running so good Mm -hmm. are also issues that can stop you in your tracks as well. So they're a double-edged sword. So it's that setting up real, um, real positive habits, I suppose. But even we talked about identity before. The sooner you can just you can make a decision, because we have talked about running identity as being a bit of a negative thing in some ways. Because if you have an injury and suddenly you can't run for a long period of time, so maybe it's that um, an identity of being fit, like I'm a fit person or someone who's in motion or moving. So yeah. that when if you can't run, then it's something else. You might go riding or swimming or something yeah. else or walking yeah. or something. But that that you're actually moving. Um, but maybe the sooner you can make that your lifestyle in some way. And, and you never, yeah. it's, there are lots of those old familiar phrases that people use, but yet, you know, you never regret going for a run, do you? No. On those days when you're thinking, I've got too much to do, the weather's not great, I need to be here by this time, da 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 da. If you make the effort to go for the run, it's always a good thing. How do you get out the door? When, it, when on those days where you're tired, uh, you've got a lot on, last you're night, whatever. The weather's horrid. <laughs> I, was, I was tired from doing the two days in a row, and I thought <clears throat> I could just watch Ollie train it, but I thought, no, I'll, I'll just, I'll get out. And, and I did that age old one. I said, look, I'll run for a couple of minutes, and if yeah. it's no good, I'll stop. And I did, I, I, I wanted to do, if all was going well, I'd do 30, and I did 35, I think. And, and I was absolutely exhausted at the end of it. You know, I looked like a wreck, and I, I, I would be one of those posters for people looking at people who run and going, that's not doing anybody any good. <laughs> <laughs> and is it, goodness, I have runs like that. <laughs> you know, that's right, you know, running with sweat, can't yeah. talk, bent double. Yeah. Um, but then after a couple of minutes, you sit down and think, oh, that's so much better. Yeah, and I feel really so much better. And yeah. And one of the really good things, coming to fatherhood quite late, I think has been great fun in many ways. But the boys are very hmm. athletic. So they just, you know, and it comes easy to kick, doesn't it? But they it run. Does. They run everywhere. They do no one, kids don't do anything slowly. Well, they do quite a lot of things indoors slowly, particularly <laughs> involves clearing up or any of those Chores. Stuff. They do chores but, slowly. But that's right. But all <laughs> the other stuff, it's, you know, and that's been really good. And I guess, you know, one of the roles as a parent, uh, and, and both Caroline and I are quite active, is to provide things that the kids look at and think, actually, yeah, I, I might have a go at that. Mm. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, what would be your favourite run that you've ever done? doesn't have to be a race. It could just be a training run. What's your favourite? I have, um, somebody asked me this yesterday. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> when, I, um, when I was working at EMAP, uh, one of my best friends, Simon, and I would, so he lived down in Guildford, I lived in Ballam. We would meet at Waterloo Station at about, oh, just gone six mm-hmm. on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning. We were members of a, what was called a Virgin Active Gym in the Strand. We'd get changed, run down onto the embankment by close, relatively close to the Houses of Parliament, run up the embankment to Tower Bridge, cross Tower Bridge, and then go down the other side to back to the Houses of Parliament, about five miles. So wow. 
just under 10k. I can picture some of that. Well, yeah, it's like a it's like a history lesson. Mm -hmm. You know, you start at the Houses of Parliament, you go past some extraordinary landmarks, you go past the Tower of London, then Tower the Bridge, the go over Tower Bridge, back past the revamped um, Shakespeare's oh. Theatre. Yeah. And, you know, the Royal Festival Hall, the National Theatre, just, you know, it's just beautiful. And you're by the Thames and it's fantastic. Mm. Uh, so that that is my, I think, favourite run in the world. Yeah, just just for your eye candy, basically, yeah. and, and, and being just, surrounded and, by all of that. It reminds me of Simon because, you know, we chat all the way around, they have a coffee afterwards. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, I think, one of the great runs. <laughs> That's, so they don't have, like, a race there or anything? <laughs> no, it's I, and I've done the London Marathon three times, and that that is fantastic too. Mm. But I'm not, yeah, I just like that easy chatting away with a friend, yeah, just relax in familiar in familiar surroundings. Mm. Um, what do you think about when you're running? You don't have to be specific. What kind of things do you think about? You know, you're sorting out the shop things or maybe do you have some moment to look around you? What kind of things? I, I think uh, I think lots of different things happen at different times mm -hmm. and on different runs. So quite often, I think it's why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. It's really hard work. What am I doing? The one that's um, happening quite a lot at the moment is... I'm trying to avoid going on the same bit of road twice during the course of a run. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. It must, it must be playing to some degree of OCD or something and just not <laughs> wanting, you know, God, why am I coming to say that? But what, what's happening a lot at the moment is on these runs, and I've been doing it for years now, I'm amazed by the fact that although I've been doing them for years, on every single run, I'll see something I haven't seen before. Yeah. I mean, how on earth have I not noticed that? <laughs> and that's really nice. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think about the shop sometimes, but not in any great detail. Detail, And I think I probably try and use it as an opportunity to stop thinking about the shop rather than, you know, clear the yeah. mind, yeah. just enjoy what's, what's, what's going on. I quite often listen to myself breathing and thinking, gosh, that sounds much harder than it should. Um, but also how lucky we are here to have any variety, of, any number of different variety of places to run and so forth. You see the same old faces and it's nice. That's, that's a big thing as well. How, how do you greet other runners? Do you just nod, do you say hello? Do you, you know, and, and it's interesting. Some just completely blank you others are really really enthusiastic I think they're I'm, in some sort of training I think sometimes yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm quite an enthusiastic greeter I think everyone everyone should you know acknowledge everywhere else but it's it's yeah um, I, always, I always love the way if you say you know good morning good afternoon or whatever to just even people walking around or sitting somewhere they go oh hi and like it's quite yeah the other thing that surprises me as, as well and worries me still is the number of women out and not necessarily running, but walking with earphones in mm. and both earphones in and I'm coming up behind them. And it, it, it happened the other day, coming along the flood levee down towards um, the Tamar Street Bridge. And I think I need to get past, but how do I get past? I don't want yeah. to frighten them. I don't, you know, mm. so they've got headphones in. I can't cough that loudly. <sighs> If, if the sun's just starting to go down, the first thing they might see is your shadow. And so, and I think that that always worries me, you know, because mm. the number of times you pass someone and they go, oh, <gasps> though you're going to attack them, it's not because you're going to attack. But I don't, so I'm, I'm, I don't know how one do it, but I would say to, to, to women particularly, but anyway, you know, perhaps just have one headphone in. So yeah, just I always go with just one headphone. On. Yeah, <laughs> it, that, that worries me. Like, yeah. I don't want to frighten anyone, and you know. Because of my breathing, you will hear mm. me from quite a distance. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to be worried about things like traffic. And, stuff. Uh, and traffic. I, don't, I don't really worry about people. I don't know if just because I grew up in a small community and stuff, I, I always just think everybody has the best intention. I know that's not true, but 
that's what is in my no, head. And, and I think that's a nice way. I think traffic, you're absolutely right. Just not being terribly really, aware yeah. of where it is and what's going on. Yeah. No, you know, or, you know, a dog or something. Yeah. That dogs. Not, as, not as happy to see you as other dogs. Oh, or dogs with owners, and it's always the owner's fault, on those long leads <laughs> that stretch all the way across the footpath. It's those invisible ones, oh. like the lead where it's kind of, yeah. it's oh, almost like fish. Right it's like, you're trying to trip me up. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> Humans, what to do with them. <clears throat> so I take it that you run mostly by yourself even though you have people meet with you on Wednesday afternoon yes. so you mostly uh, are run by yourself kind of I, I do mostly run by myself and increasingly so since the knee injury just because I'm going so slowly hmm. and I used to love running with the Wednesday night club and I hope I will again the yep. issue with it at the moment is and again it happens subconsciously I just end up trying to run too fast because yep. And it all happens. I think that's testosterone. It's absolutely. I think there's some very quick runners at the front. And I'm sure no one says anything, but I'm, you know, they just look out the corner, oh, he's struggling a bit. I might just up the pace slightly more. And everyone's doing it. So it's it's that thing of going out at the and hopefully I'll get fit enough um, and injury free enough again to do it. Because it's lovely. I, I love just ambling along and chatting about whatever yeah but yeah I, t I tend to run certainly at the moment on my own most of the time and that's good too and um also because of what we talked about before we started recording you don't listen to i know you don't listen to podcasts but you're not listening to anything so you don't have the head people talking about head no no i just <laughs> i just i just think i love being out in the open and yeah. i don't want anything to take away any part of that i love just being aware you know i need to it's interesting, you know, you just, like I said, noticing a particular car or a bird. I just like it. It's just nice. It's taking it all in. Yes. Yeah. Do you do much trail running? Is it? In your... um, before my knee, I was just starting to get into it. Yeah. And yeah. the great thing about that is when it gets tough, you just walk. Yeah. And I like that. It's, it's good. And, and trail really, usually really... not many people can see you. <laughs> that, that, that's right. And the trail running community is very, very friendly. They are. And inclusive. Mm -hmm. I think more so than the road running community that mm. tends to be driven a little bit by what time and what Speeds and things, you come. Yeah. And, and, and trail running is much more about... It's not oh, even really yeah. very relevant, is it? Like, say, if you were to do, do like for one of our trail running races, say the triple top, which is like nineteen k, but it's yeah. more like a marathon. Yeah, that's right. Because um, you're going up and down. Um, most people, even if you do did lots and lots of them, the time isn't as relevant because you've got weather and Absolutely. and the track is cha changes at, like from year to year. So you're not even racing on the same thing as, a, as opposed to doing a regular Absolutely. race on a road where the conditions don't really change and the weather doesn't affect you as much, perhaps? No, I think uh, that's true. And it's just, it's good. I mean, that I think trail running is probably really good for the soul, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Being out in nature and it's, as you say, it's not about speed. It's about enjoying the surroundings. It's about doing stuff at a pace that suits. Uh, and, and yeah, that that's wildly positive, I think. And that regular change, I think, too, in um, in the terrain, because you don't, yeah, you're not just pounding and going. Right, it's much, much flat. more forgiving, yeah, than the bench. Much. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I love that too. <laughs> I love. Well, I remember one of your very good friends, Tim Gunton. Uh, when soon after I'd arrived, I think he was talking about triple top, and he described it as a as a race to make grown men cry, yeah. <laughs> which is a fantastic description, I think. And, and Tim, who works with me in the store, and Amy particularly, who works with me in the store, so Amy helps organise it with her partner, Jono. Mm -hmm. And Tim is has been practising on the course wildly this year, so he's really up for it and loves it. I don't know how the, um, those people like Tim actually run it all like you just think that there's just parts where it, this is walking or climbing <laughs> there's not well, a lot of well it's because he's 22 it's crazy that, that, that's what it is it's because okay. he's 22 and young <laughs> and slightly yeah crazy as i said yeah. uh, <laughs> now uh, because you have you you have an interesting perspective 
what is one of the most common injuries that you would see coming in to your store? I know they don't come in for injuries, but often people blame their running shoes or they want to upgrade their running shoes in order to improve an injury. So you would hear. Uh, the most common one, I think, is, is probably shin splints. Okay. Um, which is a catch-all term for lots of things. Well, my legs are sore in my shin. Yeah, that's right. But it's, and, and I tend to say, it's, it's what we call as, as, it's something that results from what we call the terrible twos, which is people doing too much, too soon, too fast. Mm -hmm. And people who are motivated as runners and new runners tend to be, I think probably quite often go bull in a china shop at it. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to run and I want to go from having not run before to being able to do 10K probably this week if possible. Mm -hmm. And so just go really, really hard. Enthusiasm. And yeah, oh, absolutely. Enthusiasm and motivation. Mm -hmm. And I think you can get away with it for so long, but cumulatively it all adds up and there comes a point where your body just sort of goes, whoa, hold on a minute, we need to slow down a bit and give me a bit of time to recover because we've not been doing anything for six months, two years, 10 years, whatever. So I think that's, that's if people ask me, what do we need to do? Just go nice and easily. So, and I think that's where it comes back to, don't look at what everyone else is doing, even your friends, mm -hmm. concentrate on where you are and use that as the point at which you start and build on that. And don't try and think that X, Y, or Z is doing it at this pace and they're the same age and we're the same weight. So yeah. I should be able to do it at that pace. You probably will be able to, but you need to give yourself an opportunity to get there. Give some, a foundation. Absolutely. Sort of build a foundation. Yeah. Um, how long do you think you'll run for, Mike? Uh, I, I hope forever. I, I, I hope I, as, as you mentioned a couple of times it's only when you're not able to run that you realize what an important part of your life it is yeah. so yes i if if i need to go very slowly and not too far that's what i'll do if it enables me to run carry on running as far as i can go into the distance this is a question i usually answer ask much earlier but for you can you remember when you called yourself a runner like was there a transition transition between i'm a hockey player now I'm a runner, or maybe you're always, did you ever think of yourself as a runner before you quit hockey and started? No, and I don't think I think of myself particularly as a runner now. I just think- well, That's interesting. I, I think of myself as someone who runs. Mm -hmm. I don't think of myself. I so think everyone else is your I think definition of runners. Yeah. yeah, everyone else are runners. But I just think of myself as- Someone who runs. Someone who runs, <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's, there's a guy who used, I used to work briefly, um, on the UK edition of Runner's World and mm -hmm. did quite a lot of work with the guys at Runner's World in the US. And they had a guy write for them called John Bingham, who's known as the Penguin. Um, and he just shuffled everywhere, but <laughs> really good. And his, you know, he had obviously at one stage been asked, you know, at what point you become mm -hmm. a runner? And he said, as soon as you take your first step, you're a runner. Yeah, <laughs> it's there's interesting. There's no to join. There's no test you have to pass. <laughs> there's no speed you have to go at. Um, and it's it, it's that simple. You, you know, if, if, if you run, you're a runner. It's interesting because I've had lot, lots of different responses to that. Some people, like you're probably one of the only people who said, I don't think of myself as a runner, especially considering your background and your pedigree and what <laughs> you do as a job. It was like... Well, okay. <laughs> so it's really interesting because we, some people, a lot of people have said, oh, I'm not really a runner though, because I don't run fast, you know, or I don't, yeah, or yeah. I haven't been in it. Or someone said, I'm not a runner or I was, didn't call myself a runner until I did my first 10K race, for example. But so an interesting, I think quite a lot of people sort of say, you know, oh, I'm not a runner until I, you know, do you have to do a marathon? Of course you don't have to do a marathon. Yeah. It's, it's really, yeah, you're, the, the, the variety of responses would be yeah. fascinating. It is. It's very interesting. It all goes to identity and things like that too. And yes. what, uh, what we build up in our minds as to absolutely. our definitions around things. And none of them are, none of them are wrong. They're just <laughs> people's perception and that's cool. Um, if I was to ask you this question, 
how would you answer this? If you didn't run, like what would your life, what would be missing? So how has running improved your life, I guess? So if running wasn't in your life and I, you never kept running after you, you finished hockey, what would your life be missing, do you think? Oh, I, I think you'd be missing quite a lot of joy hmm. and freedom. Mm-hmm. And um, just, it, it's clearly a big part of me. And, and part of that is, is, is that joy, freedom, the ability just to be and do as you wish. And it gives me, I think it gives perspective at times, mm-hmm. or it gives me the opportunity to find some perspective, which then reflects on other avenues of the life. And um, going back to what you said about that question about being a runner, I used to smoke many, many years ago. Oh, wow. And um, the question lots of people ask is, at what point do you become a non-smoker? Mm, that's a good question. And I, it's, I, and the answer is, as soon as you put out your last cigarette, yeah. that you're, you're then a non-smoker. But I think, again, rather like the running thing, people often think, oh, it's not until you've done 100 days without a cigarette or something like that. It's when you put... And so I did um, a, a guy called the Alan Carr Easy Way to Stop Smoking. Yeah. And when you do this, you do it in a room um, and you smoke throughout the course. And the final bit of the course is putting out your last ever cigarette. And then you throw the packet into the corner of the room and the, the, the room just has this mountainous pile, genuinely mountainous pile of cigarette packets. And you walk out the room and you're a non-smoker. Wow. And I did that on February the 7th, 2003. That's awesome. And it's a day I will never forget. And some of the most fascinating people who come into the shop are people who've started to run mm-hmm. as part of the process of them giving up smoking. That and, is they've got, and they've got great stories without exception. Certainly if that can replace the compulsion to have a smoke and keep you, I know, I think we've spoken on here before about um, you make better choices. Like if you start running and you get somewhat consistent, you tend to make better choices for food and things as well. So yeah. we're not just... Oh, it's, it, it affects it. loads of parts of your life. And, and they're, they're just fascinating stories. And some of them, the amount of money they've saved is yeah. extraordinary. I can you buy know, lots of running shoes. Well, that's, I was going to say, however many running shoes you buy, you will not get anywhere close. That's you know, true. Some of them, it's been thousands of dollars, thousands upon thousands of dollars. That's crazy. And you think, you know, so you save that, your health's improved, you've got this fabulous new hop. Probably uh, a pair of running shoes a week. I'm just thinking about it. Like they're at least 200 odd dollars, aren't they? Yeah. They'd be like a consistent smoker. Oh, <laughs> there, there's, there's a lady who I think has probably given up now for three or four years. Mm. And I think she has an app on her phone which tracks how much money she's mm-hmm. saved. And it's like $27,000. You know, it's oh, fantastic. Wow. It's so good. That's awesome. Um, and it introduces you to new friends and, you know, so yeah, the, the yeah. benefits of running, you're absolutely right, are huge. Astounding. Okay, so before I ask you the last question, which is your tips, we put them all in one spot. I know we've sprinkled them all everywhere, <laughs> which is fine. That's what normally happens. Um, is there anything about running do you think that we haven't covered that we should or could cover in our last hour of conversation no I, I don't think so if, if someone said what would you do you know is it could you improve something or did I, I don't know how you're going to improve something but I just encourage anyone to have a go mm. I think mm-hmm. lots lots of people even come into the store still um oh, I'm not really a runner mm-hmm. and and or I don't run very much or I think that's a and I'm, I want I want there to be no barriers to entry at all. Yeah. I want, it would be, just be great if someone thought, oh, you know, I want to go, right, I'm going to have a go at it, rather than, oh, no, I'm, I'm too big, I'm too old, I'm too slow, I'm da-da-da-da. So that, that would be my only thing, that, yeah. that, that all the barriers are removed. And we, we, the spot we have 
um, on Brisbane Street particularly appealed because there's lots of glass there mm. and you can see into it. Mm -hmm. And we were really, we thought and spoke a lot about, does the running company sound a bit too intimidating? Yeah. Does it exclude people? I'm not a runner. I'm only going to walk and mm -hmm. people come in now. And now. So we wanted it to be something that people could look into mm. um, and not feel in any way cowed by yeah. or not thinking I'm not going to go in there because I'll, I'll come across some grizzled old person, which they will with me, oh. but who's, you know, who's been running for years and years and years and he's only interested in people who run five times a week and doing this and that. We want to make sure that anybody can come in and feel comfortable coming in and they'll be treated really nicely and looked after and we'll do everything we can to make that purchase of a pair of shoes or just a conversation, if they want to have a conversation, something that they leave thinking, right, I'm going to have a go. Because, hmm. I mean, ultimately, there are very few people who couldn't take up running. Absolutely. Actually. Yeah, there are, you know, the odd few people with some um, condition or other, but generally, just Pretty we're not talking about... Yeah, and it won't be for everyone. Running fast. We're just talking about going out and, and running around the block and just doing things Absolutely. that are good for them. Yeah. And it'll only ever be good for them. Definitely. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Mike, what tips do you have for beginner runners? <laughs> Look, mine, mine, I think, are, are nearly all, they're almost all the tips that make it sound really dull, which is, one, start slowly. Yeah. There is no point in going out really, really hard particularly if you've not done any degree of exercise for a long time. So start, start really slowly, probably run only every other day to begin with. Yeah. Don't look at what your friends are doing. Mm -hmm. I think make, sure make sure you enjoy it. It's <clears throat> meant to be fun. It's not meant to be a grind. It's meant to be something that will add to your life, not take away from it. Mm. Um, it makes me a nicer person, I think, probably. And that's what we want it to do for everyone. For everyone. Nicer um, and, and healthier at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you, Mike. It has been amazing to have you on the podcast. It's gone very quickly. I'm so glad. <laughs> it always does when we have a chat. Yeah. Don't hop off. I'll say goodbye to you off as well. But um, just wanted to yeah say how much I appreciate you giving us some of your time. Um, it was worth me badgering you lots of times. <laughs> come on, remind you, come on. Oh yeah, um, because I knew that you'd be a wealth of information and inspiration as well, which you have been. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it for a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and i'll see you there plus i'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode and before you go I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.